millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to the Living History UK podcast, a podcast for the discerning and knowledge-hungry historians out there. You can support our podcast and get much more from Living History UK by joining our Patreon from just £1. And by doing so, you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive. But for now, enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the Living History UK podcast. Today, we're talking about farbs. What is a farb? It's a word uh, which is often bounded around in living history reenactment circles and so forth. And not that many people really know what it is. And it's it's a word or a sort of explanation of people that I hear, and I have to admit, I don't use it personally. But I always just sort of roll my eyes when I hear it, because it, it's mainly a derogatory term of uh, somebody who's, whose kit isn't up to scratch or hasn't done the research. And in my kind of opinion, it's a little bit of a belittlement. But before we go into the sort of gubbins of it all, um, what we'll do is we'll give you some of the uh, definitions which you can find off the the uh, off the web, not the dark web, uh, just a normal web. Uh, so we'll read a couple of maps. This one's from definitions.net, so it hasn't quite made its way into the Oxford Dictionary yet. But it says that FARB is a derogatory term used in the hobby of historical reenacting in reference to participants who are perceived to exhibit indifference to historical authenticity, either from a material or cultural standpoint or in action. It can also refer to inauthentic materials used by those reenactors. Uh, Wiktionary is another one as well, which has pretty much the same explanation of what a farb is. But it does say that it's um, derived from uh, far be it from me to criticize or far below, as in far below the expected standard, um, which I think is a little bit uh, a little bit out there. But it's it's very much one of those sort of terms where it has a multitude or plethora, if you will, of uh, meanings. It depends who's using it, in what tone. Uh, you could have it, someone could say, oh, that, that group's the most farby group I've ever seen. Um, or what an absolute farb. Well, you could just say that uh, re- reproduction jacket is a bit farby. So it can be used in, in different ways. That's the 
uh, amazing world of the English language, really. It can be used by sort of any uh, sort of living reenactment, living historian for whatnot, for any kind of purpose. It's uh, it's a strange term. Uh, I've come across it a few times and I'm joined by Pete, uh, as ever, my trusty sidekick. Pete, what is your view of what a fab is and what does the what does the the word fab necessarily um mean to you um to me um without, without sounding big-headed um it, it's someone who hasn't got a clue what they're doing in my opinion um that's in like the way they kind of conduct themselves in general um from a historical perspective that is um and their kit is wrong just just like drastically wrong uh, be it they've not put enough research into it or they've just gone with the that will do attitude um or they're on the or they're, they're people that could be on the right track but they're letting the kit wear them not they wear the kit um so they they they, they just look completely wrong um and that's uh to me, that's what that's what a fab is. To me, it certainly very much is the case that everyone has the who's in a hobby has their own opinion on on what a fab be, what it, a fab could be, or uh, so forth. Very much a case of it depends where you kind of put the line. As I mentioned earlier, I'm I don't like criticizing people, or you know, some people are really brazen and will go up to people and say, "Yeah, you you're a bunch of fabs. You know, you, you your kit's useless. It's rubbish. It doesn't suit you. It's not right. You haven't researched this. You haven't researched that." I think it serves only to be a tool to belittle people. Really, that's what it seems to be. I think there's certainly more people out there who will, uh, you know, because cast aspersions and call people fabs rather than be constructive and say. Uh, for instance, uh, you know the helmet you're using is a um, is a Mark IV helmet. Did you know that actually they were using a Mark III uh, post uh, DDoS? That might be more suitable for your impression if you're doing uh, sort of late World War II, for instance. I think there's a much more constructive way of going about it. But that being said, and this was very much the case in the Napoleonic era, I would, you know, I'd, I think we'd lie if we didn't look at other groups' kit. I think we we're a little bit vain like that and other people's impressions and think, you know, that's not necessarily correct to my understanding, you know, kind of mind's eye. But I think for people to actually go up to other people and say, you know, this is wrong, that's wrong. What you're doing is rubbish. I think that's a little bit out of order, to put it bluntly. I, I've never done that, and nor will I. I. I'm much more a fan of the case of someone coming up to us and saying, you know, I've, I've under the assumption this is the correct way of, of wearing this. Uh, what's your opinion on it? You've been doing it for a few years. You've got a good understanding on it. You're a trusted person in the hobby. Uh, you know, how did you get to that end goal of research, for instance? And I think that serves to be a much more important tool to try and get people to uh, go along the same lines. You know, not that one person holds all the answers for, for, for one moment. That's definitely not the case. Research is a constantly evolving thing and understanding of things can change overnight from you know, uh, one photo just being enough can can really throw everything out. Or coming across there, like I did in the Polonic period, pick, picking up a couple of original tailors' books and saying, "Oh, well, actually, that that cloth which we thought was um, yellow is actually a, a, a pale weld, which is a much uh, sort of lighter version of yellow, for instance." And then that throws uh, a whole unit's kit into doubt. But would you want to tell them and kind of you know bring the world crumbling down? Not really, unless they. They specifically say, do you have any research pertaining to the colour of facings for this particular regiment? So 
Pete, have you got any evidences of not necessarily people calling you a fob, of course, but any, any times in the hobby where, you know, you've heard this uh, sort of term bounded around, uh, you know, to sort of the uh, detriment of other fellow reenactors and living historians? If I could be a, given a pound for every time that I've heard it said, I'd be a multi-millionaire by now. <laughs> I, th- I think probably you, you and me both in that sense. It's much more prevalent on the internet. And um, we, won't, we won't name any names or, or drop anyone in it, but there are, uh, well, there is a group on, on Facebook called Fatherfest, which, you know, tends to be quite lighthearted in that sense. But then every now and then, you know, bullying and harassment will rear its head on there. And you just think really, you know, this is not not sort of um, useful for the hobby whatsoever. And you, you're just bullying people. But I, there, there is some strange sort of things that get posted around on the net. And people get called fobs. And um, what always amazes me is when people are presented with cast iron evidence and say, well, you know, okay, someone's called you a fob, you know, this is this is why they've called you it. If we're being completely honest, you know, th- this is uh, this is why this is the evidence you're doing X, Y, and Z, whereas actually should be doing A, B, and C. And then people will will t- will start taking it ever so personally, and they won't want to go down the route of researching, for instance. And only today I was looking at a thread on on said group, and someone said uh, to someone who's been in the hobby for a long time and really does know their stuff. Uh, again, naming no names at all. They actually said, "Well, I've been doing this for two years." So I know what I'm doing. Uh, it's correct. And I actually won a trophy uh, at a recent event for the best dressed 1940s person. So actually, um, you know, pipe down sort of thing. You just think, well, okay, you might have won a trophy, but whatever. But the actual hard, fast rule of it is is the research uh, and all the research that anyone's ever come across has come down with this. But you're just saying you're right because you, you've won a trophy. It's, it's completely ridiculous. It should be. Well, actually, I, I wear X, Y, and Z because this is the research I've done. These are the people I've spoken to. This is the the primary source evidence that have led me down there. You know, it's sort of gentlemen's talk about it rather than you know flying off the handle and getting all, all sort of personal. And it is really sad because people will get you know touchy about what they've spent hundreds of pounds on and you know much time on as well. And it is a shame. And I've seen countless people leave the hobby or switch groups uh, or kind of just disappear off the radar of social media because social media is a breeding ground for uh, people to have a pop and hide behind the keyboard and it's it's a real shame yeah um yeah best dressed in show it sounds like something from crofts and crofts doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> but uh but when you um like hear things like that um yeah you you sort of then think to yourself well what was the quality of kit being worn from everyone else that was participating in that event as well but by the by the um but yeah keyboard warriors um i can't i just can't stand them people i really can't especially when they have no idea what they're talking about as well and uh you know we both experience it quite often steve um with various with our various social media threads where People think they know what they're talking about, actually don't. Um, and then we have it at shows as well, where we'll just get like some random member of the public or another or another living historian will just come over and start waffling at you. And you're like, well, no, because you can even try, like, you can even justify it as well. So, well, this is, you know, like you said, this is the hard evidence of why we're doing it like this and why it's done like that, because this is how they actually done it. And this is how it did actually look. But 
you know, they, some people just can't be told. And that, that's, you know, it, it goes back to like the farb as well. It's like, because some of them, you know, they're, they're all for sucking up the knowledge, you know, you know, the likes of myself and you. Um, if they come up to us, always, always, always happy to help people out, especially if it's a subject that we know something about as well. You know, if they come up to me and tell me, like, I want to dress up like a Spartan, what do I need to do? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, if it's a subject I'm very confident in, I have no problem helping somebody out. Um, but then, unfortunately, you get these individuals, and you can class that with groups as well. I've seen a lot of groups that are like this on the circuit where they do look pants, to be quite honest. Um even if you give them that bit of constructive criticism, they just won't listen to you. Um, and they'll continue to do it wrong. And, um, you know, we're both of the same opinion, Steve, that if it's not done right, then you're not doing it justice and you're not doing those people justice either that did it for real. And that is so true because you will have people who say, well, you know, it's just a hobby. I'll do it for fun on the weekends. You know, I love listening to 40s music and dancing and all that kind of jazz. Doesn't do anything for me, but, you know, best look to the people that enjoy it. You know, they have a good time. And I can imagine it's a great social uh, sort of aspect for them as well. But you, you have to remember on the other, the other side of the argument that you're wearing a uniform that guys fought and died in. They fought for freedom of the world, wearing, you know, British battle dress in the Second World War. There's no other blunter way of saying it. And you think, well, you know, if you're going to walk around as, a, I don't know, a soldier of a particular corps or regiment, then you're going to have a full beard and you're going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z, which we know isn't right. Then is that is that correct? Now, of course, you could quite easily say, well, you know, those people who fought for freedom fought for the freedom of choice, but it, it boils down to respect, I think. That's what it really does sort of come down to and it, it's an awkward one because we talk about authenticity and things like that and you know people people have, have called me and other other guys and groups you know fabs for just little things like the putting our hands in our pockets in world war ii uniform here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, saying, oh, they'd have never done that in the world, world War II because they're in uniform. If you do that in the British Army now, they'll cut your hands off and things like, put your beret on properly. Why isn't your beret shaped and your badger of your left eye? Why have you got it hanging off the back of your head? You're a fav. And it's like, well, actually, if you want to know, we've got a, a, a well, well in excess of a thousand images from the wartime of guys with the berets on the back of their heads, smoking cigarettes in uniform. Uh, with her hands in her pockets, officers included. Monty was incredibly famous for it. And he can counter it on a, you know, a sort of research-led basis rather than entering 
an argument for such, but you you will also hear, you know, uh, as a, as a sort of jovial thing, I will say to uh, you know to Dom or Pete when we go to an event, for instance, I'll be like, "Oh, just been to the uh, Portaloo, have you? Oh, yeah, yeah, just been to the toilet. Yeah, oh, that's pretty far, be isn't it in World War Two kit? You know, it's a bit of a joke, a bit of a light heart humour. But again, words that mean different things to people. You know, words over the years have different meanings. They they change. Uh, you know, certain places will change the names of, of the, a pub or a street. That's happened for hundreds of years. And it will continue to happen because the English language always evolves. But right here and now, uh, in my opinion, FARB is a highly derogatory term used by people in the hobby. I tend to sway, well, definitely sway away from using it in any form of derogatory manner. And I think the best way of achieving uh, sort of uh, success with with people who are new to the hobby or don't particularly do research because plenty of people who do the hobby and don't research you know that's that's fine uh, just go along for a social on the weekend if they came up to to one of us or to myself in particular and said I'm looking at putting this impression together I want to improve my impression how can I do it that's when you know that it really that's when I sort of open up and I'll say well okay I'll, I'll tell you what's wrong first in my opinion and it's only an opinion um this is what you might want to do instead. And this is what I do by no stretch of imagination. Is it a hundred percent, you know, down to a T, but this is, you know, what's, what's research has led us to believe is, is correct. But, you know, that's only me speaking. What, what do you, what do you think peaks? It's each to their own in this sense. Yeah, I agree with you, mate, to be quite honest. Yeah. It's, um, it's not, um, a word to be thrown around to be quite honest. Um, but like I said, every you know, if, if I got given a pound for every time I've heard it in the last 17 odd years, um, I'll be a multi-millionaire by now. Um, but then I also look back to when I was 60, like 16 years old when I first started doing this and um, looking at old pictures of, 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 of me and... And to be quite honest, uh, being me now, looking at that photograph of me as a, you know, 16-year-old, I go, oh, that is so farby. That is that is a complete fab right there. But then I'll think to myself, look at what the beautiful butterfly you've turned into. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, but everyone's got to start somewhere. You know, I'll be the first one to hold my hands up and say, yeah, my... My my stuff was a bit naff when I first started because I was I was still learning, you know, I was still doing my research. Um, I was still doing the research, but at the same time, I was willing to listen to the people that knew as well. So through that, you know, the, that knowledge is power, uh, listening to those people and my mentors on the circuit as well. So I've got a few mentors that I've had up over my time doing this. And through those mentors and listening to other people you know, on, on the product of what I am today because of those people, uh, because I listened and I took it, I took it all on board and I just didn't shun it. You know, I didn't dismiss it the first time they turned around and went, look, look, Pete, um, this ain't right because if they gave me a reason, if it got not, you know, a case of what well, it just is, I'm like, well, that's just is, isn't really an answer, is it? It's more of a, you know, um, you need to have a bit more, bit more gravitas to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've all got to start somewhere. And I think if, you know, you, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. And I, I think an element comes into play um, here is, is jealousy. I think there's, 
In fact, I know that there's people who do certain periods or certain impressions, uh, particular impressions or certain conflicts that are portrayed or, you know, particular battles in, in, in wars or operations where people have been doing it for, for 15, 20 years and they feel like the, the guardians of the galaxy in that respect. They think this is, this is our to- to- you know, sort of box of toys. Uh, who are you and why are you coming to try and play with our toys? You know, we, we've been coming here for 15 years. And, you know, because we've been coming here for 15 years, everything we do is 100% authentic and no one can ever challenge that because we've been doing it for 15 years. Then a couple of new kids come onto the block and say, well, actually, you know, it's quite interesting because the, the, the way you guys have been doing it, in our opinion, it's actually actually wrong. And is your opinion more valuable than, than, than ours and vice versa? It's a really interesting one, but I do believe there's and i've seen it firsthand and i know i know it exists that there's definitely jealousy from people in certain uh, groups and areas who will not want to share their box of toys with people but then equally there are people who do and they're the people who you really uh, are worth their salt in the hobby because and i'm, I'm probably blown our own trip here which i hate doing but you know people will come to us on on tiktok or they'll put a comment on and say you know where do you get this from where do you do that why do you wear it like this well, you know why do you have this piece of equipment what does it do and sharing knowledge that we you know we don't hold all the answers you know uh, we don't certainly don't hold the kids pandora's box but you know we we are more than happy to share our knowledge with people but also our enthusiasm as well and that definitely i know sort of uh, rubs off on people for want of a, bit, a better expression it's uh, quite infectious in that sense and as we well we're both in our early 30s now time is, is falling by i started in my uh sort of mid-teens i know you you were roughly uh, about a year or two before me i was a bit of a late bloomer in that respect but um yeah it's very much a case of people uh, people need to the next generation needs to be sort of uh, ushered in and, and sort of given support because at the end of the day, we, we've got a shared interest. We're interested in that period and 99 out of 100 people want to do their bit to, to pay, you know, sort of respect to, to the, the generations that came before us and their, their sacrifice and just keep that flame of uh, remembrance burning brightly. Well, I think we could do an entire podcast on jealousy and politics <laughs> of the living history world, I think. Um, yeah, it's it, it can be very, very silly sometimes. And like you said, they think they're the guardian. Some people consider themselves the guardians of that certain knowledge or Pacific um, impression. Um, you know, it we've encountered it a few times through various research and you've had people that would like, you know, I will never give you the secret of the chocolate orange, although I have it, um, which just isn't what this is. What and this is not what it's all about. It's like, yeah, granted, you may have had to put a fair bit of leg, leg work in to get that research. But at the end of the day, like you said, Steve, we're all here for the common goal and that is to improve. And if we can all improve across the board, then it's all for the better. But unfortunately, there's people that just can't let go of those things. They feel it uh, sort of empowers them in some way, I suppose. And that also goes on to like, like you said, Steve, where it's like the new kids on the block, you know, protective certain groups could be about a certain either like regiment or particular time period or something like that. Um, And there's some new kids on the block who are actually doing it quite well. And they all, I don't know why it's like, they start feeling threatened by it. Um, I just don't know why they have they feel this threat. It's like, well, if you're feeling threatened, that means they're obviously doing a very good job of it. 
And if they're doing a better job than you are, then it's time to up your game. Or is it a case of you've been sat on your throne for far too long at doing this um, and you're now scared of losing that throne, which doesn't even exist anyway? <laughs> it's all, you know, that's like, well, how egotistical are you? And politics and egos are unfortunately two of the, well, can be two of the sort of major players in living history and reenactment if, if you go down that route. Personally, I left them behind many, many years ago and I just don't entertain the thought of them anymore. But anyway, there we go. That's the definition of a FARB in living history and reenactment circles. So if you ever hear the term banded about, you know um, roughly, uh, hopefully after listening to this, what it means and what it's about. And uh, as I say, it's not a term uh, we tend to ever use, uh, but you will hear plenty of people on the circuit uh, using it more often than not as a derogatory term. Uh, whenever we use it, it's more of a joke, really, than anything between ourselves. But it's incredibly sad. And you know, we have to remember that you know, bullying is not acceptable in any hobby, in any shape or form. And I think if you ever hear the term or, or see the term written to you uh, or, or mentioned about you or about someone you know, uh, just say to them, well, okay, you tell me what, what, makes, what makes me a fab? What, what in particular has uh, led you to that? You know, very much a research sort of uh, basis approach to it because you know no one can tell you what's right it's it's very much a case or what's wrong for that matter it's very much a case of if you want to sort of uh, open yourself up to other people and say look you know i really i, I don't know about whether um uh you, you sort of utility pouches whether they were blankoed or not i really don't know would you have blankoed them can anyone help me can anyone tell me about that and you'll always get people come forward and they'll they'll say one thing or they'll say another, but that's definitely the approach I'd more often than not encourage people to ask. And, you know, if we can ever be of assistance, our doors always, always open for anyone who wants assistance. We don't hold all the answers. Uh, no one does for that matter, but we're more than happy, more than willing to share our, uh, our knowledge and enthusiasm on uh, British military history with all of you, which is of course why we do this podcast. Talking of which, if you're a fan of the podcast, get yourself onto our Patreon and support it because without your support, the podcast just w would not exist. Simple as that. So thanks for listening, folks. And I'll extend my thanks to Mr. Peter Neal for joining me for another episode of the Living History UK podcast. And until next time, keep history alive. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, then why not send us a PayPal donation? All donations help us pay to host the podcast and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question or even a subject matter for the podcast, join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.